Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. One of the questions that is sometimes asked about Resurrection Morning and the accounts of that morning and what happened that day uh, is how can the same event be reported on by four people in such different ways? In other words, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give an account of Resurrection Morning, what happened at the tomb, but they all four have a bit of a different story. They arrive at the same conclusion eventually, but, and that's the most important thing, but they all four have different details about the things that were happening around that event. Because we expect, you know, today, if there's a news report about something that happens, there are four different reporters there from four different television stations and the news, you expect them to all four have a pretty much the same story because it's the same historical event. So if they're telling the truth, then all four stories should match up pretty closely to one another because there is one event on which they're reporting and there's one truth to that event. So how can we explain um, or can we explain uh, how these four stories all give the same uh, account of the same thing that happened and work together without uh, being in conflict with one another, without contradicting one another. Well, believe it or not, it can be done. And it can be done in such a way that all the details of all four events are taken into account and none of them contradict the other. And actually, when you finish with the whole story and see the whole picture of what all four of them were reporting and how it all fits together, it gives you even a, a more, a deeper, a deeper appreciation for what happened that day. So that's what we're going to talk about on this edition of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. So uh, last week we uh, kind of touched on the topic we're going to uh, delve into a little bit more deeply today, and that is what was happening at the tomb on resurrection morning. And uh, the fact of the matter is we have four gospel accounts uh, of what was transpiring 
on the morning, uh, that first day of the week, which would be Sunday, uh, when they found that the tomb was empty. And we have a story or a, an account by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, all of whom gave the story that they wanted us to know. But uh, all four of which, although there are some striking similarities and generally speaking they all do tell the same story with the same outcome which was the most important thing was what christ is risen he's alive he's not here they all four managed to get that message out there and so that was their primary objective and mission accomplished uh but they all four still had different emphases and a different way of telling the story. And uh, if you read them, as we did last week, we'll do it again today just so it'll be top of mind, fresh in our, our minds. Uh, when you read the four stories, the four accounts, one after the other, you'll notice that although they tell the same story, they all tell it in a different way. And because they tell it in a different way, with a different emphasis, uh, there are some things that you say, well, how does, how, does, how does that fit together? Because it seems on the surface that it's a somewhat of a contradiction uh, from one writer to the other. And uh, how do, is, it, is it important that we resolve those differences, do you think? <clears throat> it's important to understand them, but not from their perspective but you know we understand what the truth is well the gospel doesn't rise or fall on those facts right. and it doesn't bother me that there's differences but to some people it doesn't I, I think we have to before we can answer that question we probably should break that into two, two, two questions is it important to believers and I think generally speaking we would say as Cheryl said we're not going to die on that hill you know, Jesus already died on that hill, <laughs> and he rose, and, and so we as believers say it's, it's not, those, those differences don't matter that much to us, because the bottom line important thing that happened, they all agree on, and that is Jesus rose from the dead, he's alive, he's no longer here. So that is, well, that's where our faith, that's where our faith is based on, that's where our belief comes from, that's where our hope is, Grady. Well, you're probably getting the, the, the thing is... You're always a step ahead of me. When you're trying, when you're trying to speak to new believers, to yeah. new people, this is where this can be tricky. Exactly. Now, the other point that I was thinking about is, particularly Luke. Luke wasn't ever there. He got it word of mouth. Correct. But the other three didn't go to the tomb either. They didn't go to the tomb. The only ones that went... John did. John did. Oh, John but, did. Yeah, okay. yeah. And Peter. But, so John should then be the most correct, right? Well, yes and no. I think if you look at the four, you, I think Ma Matthew, his emphasis seems to be on that Jesus is not here, he's not dead, he's alive, uh, and, and this is the important thing. And then Matthew also wants to tell us about the Roman guards. No one else tells us that. But... Think about it. Matthew was the one that had the most interaction with Rome. 
because he was a tax collector, right? So being a tax collector, you were collecting taxes for Rome. And so he had a lot of interaction with Rome, Roman guards, Roman people. And so one of his emphases that none of the other, none of the other three even mention are the Roman guards. Well, that was an important part of the story for him. You go into Mark, and Mark is a much briefer uh, story. A lot of people feel a lot of Mark came from Mark's interaction with Peter, that Peter kind of told Mark these things, and Mark kind of wrote them down. Mark's is a shorter uh, recollection or, or account, and Mark kind of wants us to know about what the women were thinking and feeling a lot. He's the only one that talks about that they were talking about who will remo- who will move the stone for us. No one else tells us that. He tells us, although Matthew does too, but Mark tells us that you know they were so the women were so bewildered and so um, uh, so afraid. And so he kind of he kind of concentrates on the feelings of the women and what they were feeling. And then Luke Luke kind of gives us a little bit of everything. He kind of hits. Luke kind of hits the highlights, but he doesn't go into great depth, you know. He tells us that Jesus is raised. He tells us that the women were there. He tells us that uh, Peter and John went to the tomb. Uh, he kind of tells us all of those things, but they're kind of like boom, boom, boom. He kind of hits hits the highlights. He seems to be more interested in what happened later in the day with the two who were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus walking with them. But he certainly hits the highlights of and as Luke would do, you know, he's trying to give, uh, as a physician, he's trying to give us all the facts, and there's just too much there to give us all the details, so he just kind of hits the headlines. And he calls himself a giving an orderly account. Right, and giving an orderly account. Which nobody else claims, claims to Exactly. And then John, having been there, uh, John is the one who really concentrates on Peter and John going to the tomb. He gives us the most information about that detail, of course, because he was he was one that he was the one that went him and Peter him and Peter, and then he is the one that really gives us an in-depth account of Mary Magdalene and what happened with her. And uh, Mark says in his gospel that Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene, then to the other women. And he makes it pretty clear that this was two separate things. He didn't meet Mary Magdalene and the other women. He met Mary Magdalene first, and then the other women as though there were two different appearances. So uh, when you read all of those together, then you start to say, you know, well, how do we how do we deal with Matthew who kind of says all the women were together when something happened or even Luke who kind of lumps them all in together and John who makes it very clear that Mary had a separate encounter with Jesus so which was it and and how do we resolve those issues so what I'm going to say is this and that is that you have to cut and paste Okay, you have to cut and paste. It's possible to take parts of all of the accounts and put them together in a way that they make sense chronologically in a way that there are no contradictions and a way that it all flows together. But to do that, you have to give some grace 
to the stories that are in the Gospels. When I say that, I mean you have to say that there was some uh, stories that were compacted and some things that were left out and some things that when you read it, they seem like they flow together, but that they, they for this to be able to be done, for, for John's account with Mary Magdalene and Mark saying that she's the first, you have to say that between this sentence or this verse and this verse in, say, Matthew, that there was something else that happened, even though Matthew puts them together like this happened and this happened, you have to say, well, he compacted that because this happened and then this happened, but between them, something else happened. So let me give you an example. Let's say someone is writing a story about the pilgrims coming over on the Mayflower, okay? And this person who's writing the account, the the, the, the important part that he wants to talk about is the pilgrim's interaction with the Native Americans. That's his, his primary thing that he wants to talk about. So he, here's his account. He says, the pilgrims got on the Mayflower in Europe, and they, uh, they sailed to America, and they landed, and uh, they got off the Mayflower, and they, they built their... Um, you know, their, their, their settlement. And then uh, during that first winter uh, was a hard time. And then they met the Indians or the Native Americans. And it was Samoset and Squanto. And then, then they get into the details about, you know, they taught them how to fish and how to plant and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's kind of a compaction of the story, right? You left out about all the difficulties they had on the Mayflower, that they were blown off course, that they took them time to finally decide where to go ashore, uh, that they had all of the, you may have said they had a hard time, but you know, I mean, almost half of them died that first winter and the, the illness and the starvation and the, and so you've, you've kind of left all that because you're not really telling that story. You want to tell the story about the Indians, so you're going to get there. You kind of compact everything else to get to what you wanted to talk about. So we ha we have to look in the Gospels that, that this perhaps could have been the way that they told the story, where when you have one verse and another verse, and it sounds like when you read it in Matthew, for example, that they're one right after the other, that maybe that was Matthew compacting the story, that something else happened in between those two verses. Or, for example, later on we'll have in Luke, where Luke says, the women, the, women, uh, the women came to talk to the apostles about what was happening, and the women were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, and, uh, and uh, Salome, or, and others, whoever. Well, that's the truth, that all of those women did come back and uh, tell the story to the apostles. But in order for this to work and, and to make John work, with Mary Magdalene, there has to, that had to have happened in two separate two separate times. In other words, he's right. It was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, and and Salome or the other women, whoever. But to make it work, it has to be Mary Magdalene did it, and then the other women did it. They all did it, but they did it at separate times. Uh, and here again. 
all Luke wants to do is say, these women all said this to the apostles. He doesn't get into the minutia, well, Mary, Mary came and did it, and then the other women came and did it, because that wasn't important to him. The only important to him was that we know all the women did it. So what I'm saying is it can be done to bring all this together if that's important to you to do. It might be especially important to unbelievers, because what happens with unbelievers sometimes is they say, well, if you read the four accounts of the resurrection and, and resurrection morning, they're all different. There's contradictions. So how can I believe any of it? You know, if it's at, But the other thing to think about, too, as we talked about last week, is your response to that is basically, isn't it wonderful that the four accounts don't match up exactly? Because that means they're even more proof that they're true. Because, as we said last week, you know, if you're a policeman or a lawyer and you have different people with an alibi and all their stories or witnesses, they all sound exactly the same, you have to wonder if there isn't some, something conspiratorial about that, that they all got together and came up, this is our story, go with this. And then they all have the same exact story. Because no, no one ever has the same exact story. Chuck. There was a thing I saw many years ago on eyewitnesses on TV. Yeah. Very detailed study. They, they staged the purse robbery, you know, snatch, purse snatching. Seven or eight people were around there and witnessed it. They all had different stories. They had the color of the thief's shirt wrong. They had whether it was a woman or it was a man. What color the purse was. I mean, all of their accounts were different, and they all saw the same thing. It's amazing. It's also interesting, because we were talking about that last week, that's exactly what the Pharisees and their leaders did to the soldiers. You tell them, this is what happened. So they had a matched story. The soldiers were supposed to tell whatever the, the leaders told them to tell when Jesus' body was gone. And the leader said, we'll, we'll, we'll back you up on that. So the soldiers had all the same story. The original leaders had the same story. And that was the lie. Not the four gospel accounts that came up afterwards, but the lie was what they conspired to make the official story, right, Joe? One of the things I found interesting about when you look at the four gospels, well, there's other things that clash when you look at what what uh, uh, they're saying in the gospels. The same story, but it's little thick. But the other thing that I've noticed too over time. Pastors don't even know or take the time to really break it down because I have seen when it comes to Easter service, the same scripture every year because it's comfortable for the pastor rather than to, to bring out what really is going on. I would love to see an Easter service where we put all the Gospels together and then the pastor break it down and well why did this person say this and why this person said that I think for the non-believer it's going to make a big difference because we're kind of on the same page with the author of the book and you know and I, if you bring it together uh, you know the one thing I love about the worship services here is Pastor Dave, he goes on a theme, and boy, he sticks to that theme, and boy, it's, you're learning a lot of stuff. He fleshes it out. He really does. Uh, yeah. and, but I think that's what we need to do with the scriptures in, uh, on an ongoing basis. And There's so much powerful stuff. 
you know, and, and I agreed with the whole idea because I was an investigator for children's services and I had, I was like a police officer. I had to ask a lot of questions. And it was through asking the questions you really started finding the real story because one person would say one thing, another person would say something else, and another person would say something else. And then the physical evidence came into play. And it's like, really? Somebody's not telling the truth here, right? Well, well I... tell the truth, but it's, it's only a <laughs> they saw it. The one thing that when you're saying that, Chuck, about people seeing things and then remembering them differently than the facts is, is that the Bible is divine and guided and written through facts. So what we're seeing when we're talking to those that are troubled by this is everything in there they are the facts. Correct. And, and that, to me, is an important difference from what Chuck just said, is that it isn't like the, the four Gospels are saying things that are incorrect, it's that they each saw something that they're sharing. They each had a different message to tell. It's the same story told in four different ways, with four different emphasis. All, all happened. All were true. Correct. And four different personalities. Four different personalities. Yeah. So, so sometimes it, it's important to be able to say, we can do this. We can do all four, and we can put them all together. We just have to give some license to the things I just said about, that there's some compaction. There's, they don't flow necessarily one another, and, and the story is told. So we're going to do that here in just a minute. Um, the other thing, getting back to what Joe was saying, too, is that uh, it's true. You know, It's so much easier just to pick one and preach on it, or just to pick one and teach on it, and ignore the other three, because it's more difficult to go in and to explain this than just to say, well, this is, this as, you know, just, just it's true, it's right, so let's just go with this one for Easter Sunday, and it's fine. You know, it, it, it checks all the boxes. Jesus is risen, he's not dead, the women saw it, the angel said it, Peter and John went, and we're good. Uh, but what I have found is one of the beauties of Scripture is that, well, let me put it this way. If you really want Scripture to speak to you in the way that I think God wants it to speak to you, because of the way it's given to us, it's very seldom that you get this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, and like this chronology where everything just falls into place. The story, the story of God in the Bible, to get the whole thing, you have to go to the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you have to, you have to do some work yourself. You have to wrestle with it yourself. You have to say, no, I can't just say it's good enough. Is there some way I can wrestle with this and struggle with this and understand this so that it does make more sense to me? And when you do that and you get to that point to where, oh, yeah, okay, now I see it, the payoff is it means even more to you. It's even more precious because, number one, you see a bigger picture, but number two, you have now struggled with it and wrestled with it, and you've come to the answers that, you know, took a little bit of work on your part to do it. God can just feed it to you, but isn't it better to be able to, you know, interact with it. And God's word is alive. One way it's alive is that you interact with it in your life.
So let's do that right now. And so real quickly, we're just going to read these four. I'm not going to make too many comments about it. I just want this to be fresh in your mind. So when we put together, oh, you know what? I should pass this up. Joe, would you mind passing? So I put it together for you. So, <laughs> so you can, we can all follow along and do it together. So, okay. So I didn't, I didn't want you writing down all those notes. So, okay, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Okay, right here, I'm going to tell you to make this work according to my story, that at this point, this, uh, this angel, this is the extent of what he does at this moment. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Okay, the, the, then I'm saying there's there's a period of time between verse four and verse uh, well, yeah verse four and verse five that there's a, there's a period in other words it didn't ju- it didn't just flow that the angel was there and the angel said this that there's a there's a period of time between here that Matthew doesn't give us but okay so thank you that mind. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see uh, the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Now, here is another spot where... You can't just read it flowing through. There has to be something that happened between verse 8 and verse 9 for this to work. So then they come back. At some point later, they come back, and then suddenly Jesus met them, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Verse 11, While the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. So then we have the, the, the Roman guards. Okay, let's go on then to Mark. Mark 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, there's a new name, Salome, we hadn't had her before, uh, but not that she couldn't have been there, it's just that Matthew didn't name her in his, uh, bought spices so that they might go in to anoint Jesus' body. Very early in the first day of the week, so they all agreed that this was very early in the morning. Just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they so, so this goes okay because if they saw that, if they saw the angel roll the stone away, and Matthew says that uh, they got there and the stone had been rolled away, those two work okay together. In other words, Mark just didn't mention the angel rolling it away, but he mentioned that when they got there, it was rolled away because the angel had just done that for them. Okay, so that, there's an example I'm talking about. Uh, so as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, uh, in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. So here again, Mark is saying they, like all the women. But for this to work... Mary Magdalene could not have been one of the women. So we know that when we do the, the overall story. So they entered the tomb. What he's talking about here is they being the women, but not Mary Magdalene. Okay. 
So she did not go into the tomb, or she might have gone into the tomb at this point, but she doesn't hear what the angels have to say. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Okay. So as they entered the tomb, she went into the tomb, but she did not see the young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. We'll get into that. And they, they, the other women, were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Then verse 9, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. So he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Okay, so you got to keep that in mind. So that's why she could not have been with the women when they saw in Matthew, Mary Magdalene couldn't have been with them because she had already seen Jesus at that point. Okay, let's go over to Luke, verse 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While, now, this is important. This is really important. Thank goodness Luke told us this. And Chuck, you're right. This is something that only Luke tells us. And this is important because this tells us why Mary Magdalene did not hear what the angel said about Jesus being alive. It says, verse 4, while they were wondering about, so while they were wondering, while they were wondering about this. So in other words, they go into the tomb. Mary Magdalene goes in the tomb with them. And the, tomb, the stone has been rolled away. They go in. They notice that the tomb is empty. But the angels have not appeared to them yet. So there was a moment of time. I don't know how long. While they, how long does it take to wonder about this? Was it five seconds? Was it five minutes? Was it 50 minutes? I don't know how long it was. But there was a period of time when they were in that tomb alone. The body is gone. The, the, they've seen the angel roll the stone away. But when they go in, there's no angel or angels in the tomb yet. And they're wondering about what all is happening. And so this is important because during that period of time when there was no angel and no body, they're confused and they're getting upset. So what does Mary Magdalene do? She leaves and goes to talk to Peter and John and the other disciples where the other women stay in the tomb. Okay. So when the angel appears to them in the tomb, Mary Magdalene's already gone, and they are still there. And then the angels appear to them. So if you read all the other Gospels, it's like, boom, 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 the angels were the angels. They went in, and there are the angels. In, and there are the angels. But Luke says, no. They went in, and there was a period of time where they were wondering about them, and then the angel appeared to them. So it says, uh, and so, so it's verse 4, while they were wondering about this, how long does it take to wonder? I don't know. Suddenly, then, suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why? we know these are angels, right? He says men, but they are angels. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, Mother James, and the others who told them about this. So again, this is what I was talking about earlier. To read this like this, you think Mary Magdalene, Joanna, so they, all, they all came together. They all did it together. But it can't have happened that way. Not if you're going to work with what John is going to tell you in a minute. 
it had to be, Mary, it was Mary Magdalene, boom, she came and told them. And then, boom, the other women came. Like, they all came, all, all Luke wants us to know is they all came and told the same story. It doesn't matter to him that there was a period of time between the two, of the two groups of women, Mary and then the group of women, separately. Verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Okay, so let's go over to John, the last one. John 20, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running. So, so here we are. So she goes to the tomb. Now, it doesn't say she's with the other women, but she was. Okay. She sees the stone moved. The stone is open. She sees that. The stone is open. She goes into the tomb, and they, she doesn't know what's going on. Nobody. She's wondering. She leaves before the angels appear. So then in verse 2, when she comes back, this is her story. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Why is that her story? Because that's all she knew at that point. She wasn't there when the angels appeared to the other women. She had run back before that happened. And so when she comes back, she only has the limited uh, experience that the tomb is open, the stones rolled back, he's not there, but we don't know what's happened to him. Because she has not heard the angels proclaim yet that he's been raised again. So, verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. So this is John's in death because he was there. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went inside, that's John, and saw, and he saw, John saw, and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then we get into, this is Mary Magdalene. So, then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. What? Where did Mary come from? Well, when Mary goes back and tells Simon, and uh, or tells Peter, and tells John, and the other disciples, and they run to go to the tomb to see what's happening. So what does Mary do? She also goes back to the tomb. She didn't run as fast. Right, exactly. Exactly. The men were faster. But so now she has come back again. Says now, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels. This is the first time she has seen the angels. They she had left before she saw them the last time. She sees the same two angels seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Why is she, she couldn't possibly have said this if she had been there when the angel appeared to the other women in the tomb. She couldn't possibly because she wouldn't have this testimony, right? She had to have left before the angel appeared. And, and Luke, thank goodness Luke, gives us the grace of seeing how it could have happened because there was a moment of time when they were in the tomb without the angels. And that confused Mary, and she wanted to run back and tell the disciples, see if they could explain it to her. Okay, verse 14. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. 
and I will go get. She still doesn't know about the resurrection. She still thinks that Jesus' dead body is around somewhere. I just got to find it. <laughs> Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell him, I am returning to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. So this is a real mystery. Because he tells Mary, don't touch me. I have not yet returned to the Father, but go and tell them that I'm going to return to the Father. But in Matthew, what do the women do? They clasp Jesus at, on his, he doesn't tell them not, them not to do it. He tells Mary not to do it. So why is Mary no-go and the other women are go-go? I don't know. Well, I do know, but I'll tell you in a minute. Okay, verse, verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the uh, disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Okay, so we're running out of time. My goodness. Okay, so take out the handout. We're going to read through it really quickly. Okay, well, we'll take a little bit more time. Okay, so uh, so what do we know about the morning? I won't go into all this thing at the top. You can read it yourself. The one thing they all four they all four agree. I'll just read it real quickly. Mary Magdalene. We all know she was at the tomb. They all four say that. They all four say it's early in the week. The other women were also at the tomb with Mary, who were Mary the mother of James, Salome the mother of James and John the apostles, and Joanna uh, and Joanna. Uh, the women went inside the tomb and saw it was empty. Uh, Mary was also one of them. The soldiers were guarding the tomb. One angel rolled the stone away, rolled the stone away, but two angels appeared inside the tomb. So how does that? Well, that's not a big hard thing to, to explain. The, the one angel rolled the stone away. And then in my way, after he rolled the stone away, he went away. And then when they went into the tomb, he came back with another angel. Same angel, but with a friend. Okay? So uh, Peter and John, it didn't take two angels to roll the stone away. It only took one angel to roll the stone away. Okay. Uh, Peter and John ran to the tomb. They saw it was empty. Uh, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene first. Uh, Jesus then also appeared to the other women. Jesus did not appear to Peter or John that morning. Peter and John did not see the angels at the tomb. All they saw was the empty tomb and the, the cloths. The soldiers conspired with the religious leaders to lie about what had happened at the tomb. And then this is my favorite part. Jesus was not inside the tomb after resurrection morning, and he never went back inside the tomb ever again. Praise the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to read the story uh, pretty much just through here. I have noted... In here, the different passages, like I said, we're cutting and pasting. And where I just kind of interject a quickie thing, I, I have underlined it. So like in the first one, the first paragraph from Mark 16, early on the first day of the week, after the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, Salome, and Joanna. So we know and Joanna from Luke, not from Matthew, not from Mark. See what I'm saying? See how that works? So, so from Mark. Early on the first day of the week, after the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, Salome, and Joanna went to the tomb. <clears throat> they were talking along the way, asking who will roll the stone away. That's from Mark. Then in Matthew, when they arrived at the tomb, there was a big earthquake, and they saw an angel of the Lord descend from heaven, his clothes were white as snow, and gleamed like lightning, and he rolled the stone away. The soldiers who were guarding the tomb fainted with fear, trembling. The angel then left the tomb. This is the angel who rolled the stone away. So the women went inside to look for Jesus' body, which they still expected to be there. Once inside, they found the tomb empty, 
At once, Mary Magdalene ran out of the tomb and went back to Jerusalem to tell Peter and John and the other disciples what she had seen. How far is that? Uh, not far. Okay. Not far. Uh, I mean, the, the, the tomb is just on the outskirts of town. I mean, you who have been the Holy Holy Land might know better than me, but I'm sure it's, it's close. To... Depends on whether the tomb is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre or the one that's further out. Okay. Past Either way, it's within walking distance. It's very much, especially the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's just a, literally, you know, less quarter mile. Okay. After Mary left, the two angels appeared to the other women who were still inside the tomb, one of whom was the same angel who had rolled the stone away. By the way, this next day, it's not Matthew 5 to 8. It's Matthew, it was late when I did this. Matthew 28, 5 to 7, in case you're keeping track. So Matthew, the next part is Matthew 28, 5 to 7. He said to them, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead. The women then ran from the tomb and went to tell Jesus' disciples what the angel had proclaimed to them. They spoke to no one else along the way because they were still so still so afraid. So so Mary Magdalene was already gone. She didn't see the angels. The other women were still there. They saw the angels. Now they're on their way, okay, to tell the, the disciples. Matthew 28, 11, The soldiers were finally able to gather themselves and went to see the religious leaders about what they had seen at the tomb that morning. Mary Magdalene arrived back to Jerusalem and found the disciples. She was bewildered by what she had seen, an angel rolling back the stone and an empty tomb. When she arrived at the place where the disciples were hiding, they could only tell she could only tell them that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb, and she did not know where he was. Then the other women made it back and found the disciples, and they told their story about the angels and what the angel had said about Jesus, that he was not dead, but risen. So this is the first that Mary has heard about Jesus being resurrected. You know, she is confused by that and doesn't understand that. So the disciples did not believe the women and stayed in their hiding spot except for Peter and Luke, and we should add Mary. But at this point, I think even Mary isn't really believing what the women have said. Peter and John. Uh, Peter, did I say Peter? Peter and John, I'm sorry. Except for Peter and John, and we should add Mary, because I think Mary also did not really believe what the women had said. Uh, that's why she also went back. Given two different accounts of what had happened, one by Mary Magdalene and one by the other women, Peter and John decided to go and see for themselves, so they left the house and ran to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, herself confused now, after hearing the other women's testimony about the angel's message, ran back to the tomb as well. John arrived at the tomb first and looked inside. Then Peter got there and went inside the tomb. John followed Peter, where they both saw the strips of linen which had been wrapped around Jesus' body and the burial cloth which had been placed around Jesus' head. John believed that what the women told them and left the tomb thinking that Jesus was alive and had risen. Peter was confused by what he had seen and went home to think. After they left, after Peter and John left, Mary Magdalene arrived for the second time at the tomb, crying as she arrived. As she wept, she looked inside again and saw the same two angels dressed in white whom the other women had seen earlier. They asked her why she was crying, and she replied that she did not know where uh, Jesus' body had been taken. Then she turned around and saw a man standing there whom she thought was the gardener. She asked, he asked her why she was crying and who she was looking for. Mary asked the man if he had removed Jesus' body and where he had put it. See, she still doesn't believe it, even after hearing what the women said. Jesus said her name, Mary, and she recognized him immediately. She went to him to hold him, but Jesus told her not to hold on to him because he had not yet returned to the Father. 
then just a reminder, Mark 69, Mary Magdalene was the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. So it works in this, in this story, in this account. Uh, he instructed her to go and tell his brothers that he was returning to the Father. Uh, and this is, he's returning to his Father in his glorified body. So she sees Jesus, not his crucified body, which is dead and in the tomb, she see, or was in the tomb. She sees him in his glorified body, but in his glorified body, he has not yet ascended to heaven to be in his Father's presence, but he's still here on earth appearing to her. So that's why she can't hold him at that point. He has to go first to ascend to be in the Father's presence first. So Mary left the tomb and ran back to find uh, the disciples who were still in hiding. Go back again and find them. Now this is my little interpretation. In the meantime, this is this is my thing. Uh, in the meantime, the other women decided to also return to the tomb and look again at what they had seen earlier. They did this because they wanted to reinforce their belief in what they had seen there earlier in light of Mary's confusing response and all the unbelief of the disciples. In other words, they're saying, maybe we should go back again because now they don't believe us. She doesn't believe us. They've gone back. She's gone back. We, we should go back too. So after Peter and John ran out to go back to the tomb and after Mary ran out following them, the other women also decided to return to the tomb again. They were walking back to the tomb, not running. So that's why they're not with, you know, not so far, not so close behind them. Matthew 28, 28, 9. On the way back to the tomb, Jesus appeared to these women and then said, See, that's why there's a period of time in Matthew between those two verses. So now Jesus, when he appears to them, greetings, they recognized him immediately and bowed down and clasped his feet and worshiped him. He did not tell them not to touch him. And this is why. Apparently, between the time he saw Mary Magdalene at the tomb and the time he appeared to these women, Jesus had returned to heaven in his glorified body and seen the Father. Now he could be physically touched and held. Matthew 28.10, Go and tell my brothers, Jesus said, to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The women went back to Jerusalem, arriving there at about the same time as Mary, and they because they didn't have to go all the way to the tomb, right? Jesus appeared to them on the way, so they just came right back to Jerusalem after they saw him. And they were now able to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive. He was risen because all of the women had seen him. Still, with the exception of John, none of the disciples believed them. While all of this was happening, the guards had met with the chief priests, and they had all conspired to lie about what had taken place at the tomb that morning. The religious leaders paid the soldiers a large sum of money to say that the disciples had come and stolen Jesus' body during the night. The priests assured the guards that they would also lie to keep the guards from getting into trouble for allowing such a thing to happen on their watch. So the two stories were circulated about Jesus thereafter. One was that his body was stolen by the disciples and hidden. The other was that Jesus was alive and he had risen from the dead. In the days that followed, there would be very little evidence for one of those theories and a great deal of evidence for the other one. And you can find that evidence in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8. So there you have it, the story uh, put together, all four taken into account, no contradictions, and it flows uh, from start to finish. Now, if you give me just five more minutes, what I'm going to do here now is, I don't have a handout for you for this, I'm just going to, without enhancements, with my editorial enhancements, I'm just going to read the scriptures cut and, cut and pasted. And you can see how they fit together just using the scriptures only. So here, so here we go. So here's Mark 16. 
When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Then from Luke. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other the others with them. Then back to Matthew. There was a then to Matthew. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Then back to Luke. They, the women, found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Mary leaves and runs back to Jerusalem. While they were wondering about this, that's what happened. And then the other women, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed on lightning, stood beside them. Back to John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Again, John's just talking about Mary because he wants to concentrate on her there. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon and Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Luke, 20, Luke 24. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Back to Matthew. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Back to Mark. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Back to Matthew. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. Back to Luke. When they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene first, then Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others who told them to all this told all of this to his disciples. Then back to Luke. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Then back to John. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, John, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then back to Luke. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Then back to John. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw the two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, and one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Why, who is it you were looking for? Think it was the gardener, she said. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Roboni, which means teacher. Uh, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, she told them, and had said these, and he had said these things to her. Back to Mark. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the, of the week, it, he appeared first, appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Back to Matthew. Suddenly, Jesus met the other women. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Back to Matthew. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Back to Mark. 
when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they, the disciples, did not believe it. Back to Matthew. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. And then finally, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, the proof. Paul writes, for what I have received, I pass on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as the one who was abnormally born. So there's your proof of what the truth really was. So, yes, Chuck. I want to thank you for doing this. I don't know if you, somebody else had done this before, but I've never heard this before. <laughs> there, there are a lot of accounts like this that you can find. This is my own personal right. account. They're all slightly different. They all have different things. And although mine sounds like a lot of cutting and pasting, I think mine at least makes sense chronologically. Some of my read, I'm like, there's no possible way. <laughs> but, there, yeah, lots of people have done this. This is my own personal uh, thing. Great. So, Appreciate thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It was so. important because uh, I've read all of them multiple times this week, but to go back at, to the cross, and some of them mention Mary and the other Mary <laughs> and Salome. And one would say it was just the women at the cross, and they all followed to the burial to know where the body was. John's the only one that says that Nicodemus helped mm -hmm. Joseph. And he also had spices to anoint the body. Mm -hmm. So it makes you think, well, so why did they think that they had to do that again? But they did. I mean, that they had to go because Nicodemus had taken care of at least partially, maybe in their mind partially. But I think it's also, notice this morning, when Mag Mary Magdalene saw the angel in the tomb, they did not say he was alive. She turned around and saw him. And that's kind of really neat. There was no spoiler alert there. You know, they didn't tell her what they told the others. And she turned around and saw Jesus for herself. It's just... And we think, you know, it takes us five minutes to read the story. This wasn't all day. This was going on all day because when he appeared to the ones walking on the road to Emmaus, they came back at evening. Correct. So, I mean, we don't, we have to put that in our mind. This, this didn't happen in 15 minutes. Correct. And so that's what we're going to do throughout the study. We're going to do the morning, what we've been doing. We're going to do the road to Emmaus. We're going to do the, we're going to do the whole day from start to finish before it's all said and done. Now what we'll do starting next week, we're going to all four Gospels and dive deep. Now that we know kind of the full story, we'll go into the four Gospels. We'll really go into each one of those and look and see what those have to tell us before we move on to the afternoon. So, um, but... Yeah, I think it's just important to know that the story can be put together. It can make sense. It can be done so there's no contradictions. You just And there's no reason you can't say, well, sure, there could have been time in between here and there. Sure, Mary could have left the tomb and not been there when the angels were there. Sure. You, know, you just have to, the, the scripture gives us enough space to say it could have happened that way. And if it did happen that way, then it all makes I think I told you last week, you know, I sell all, all the Star Wars movies. So each movie in and of itself is a great movie. But if you watch them in the order in which they were released to the public, you get a very confusing story that's hard to keep track of. But 
thanks to Disney Plus, you can go now and you can watch them in chronological order, and which I have done, and the story makes so much sense to me now that I didn't make before. Each movie's good, but when you have them all together in order, they make sense and there's a better story. And this, although we as believers don't need this, if you have an unbeliever who says, I can't believe it because they contradict you, you say, no, they don't. We can do it. <laughs> Chuck. I'll give you a personal experience as to why this is so important. When I was, before I was saved 60-some years ago, I was listening when I delivered my papers to Herbert W. Armstrong. If any of you heard him, The World Tomorrow, a cult, but just sounds so reasonable, so much of what he says. And, and he based a lot of what he did to get people into that cult on taking these kind of things and saying, your pastor's lying to you, he doesn't uh. tell you the truth, you know, and we have the truth. The yeah. whole truth. We're the only ones that have the truth. Right. And then I got saved, and it, it you know, it took several months of really studying the scriptures and really getting some mentoring from you know, some seasoned Christians that I got it all straight and understood and by faith, you know, full trust in Jesus Christ and never turned back, you know, and not the scriptures from Genesis to the last verse of Revelation. No, there is no contradiction. There is no problems. It's all there. And, and you look at some of the famous C.S. Lewis and the other guy that wrote the evidence that needs a verdict. These guys were trained guys to go in and study stuff, and they went into the scriptures to prove them wrong, and they ended up becoming solid believers. When they believed it, yep. Case for Christ is a good one where he was an atheist. His wife became a Christian. He's a lawyer, a journalist. He said, I'm going to prove that she, that she got saved. I'm going to prove that it's false. And he went in and looked at all the evidence like a lawyer and journalist. He came out a believer. <laughs> so, all right, that's all we have time for. That concludes this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you, peace be with you. Shalom.